I direct your attention to verse 31 and following. Mark 7 and verse 31. And he began to teach them that the Son of Man must suffer many things and be rejected of the elders and of the chief priests and scribes and be killed and after three days rise again. And he spake that saying openly. And Peter took him. I'm sorry, I'm in the wrong chapter again. That's happened to me a couple of times today already. I don't know what the problem is. Maybe it's my glasses, right? No. I think my eyes just keep getting worse and worse. <laughs> uh, I need bigger print in my Bible. I think that's what I really need. All right, chapter 7 and verse 31. And again, departing from the coasts of Tyre and Sidon, he came unto the Sea of Galilee through the midst of the coast of Decapolis. And they bring unto him one that is deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they beseech him to put his hands upon him. And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers into his ears. And he spit and touched his tongue. And looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephphatha, that is, be opened. And straightway his ears were opened, and the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much more a great deal they published it, and were beyond measure astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And we're going to get into that passage in just a minute. But in Matthew chapter 9, in verse 36, the Bible says, But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them, because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. Matthew 14, 14 says, Jesus went forth and saw a great multitude and was moved with compassion toward them, and he healed their sick. Matthew 15, 32, Then Jesus called his disciples unto him and said, I have compassion on the multitude because they continue with me now three days and have nothing to eat, and I will not send them away fasting lest they faint in the way. Luke 7 and verse 13, And when the Lord saw her, he had compassion on her and said unto her, Weep not. Now, I could read a host more of verses with this same idea and the same thought of Jesus having compassion towards people. And in the life and ministry of Jesus, we see that same sentiment over and over and over again. The compassion of Jesus Christ moved him and motivated him to, to do something. It moved him to action. His actions proved his love. That's what you see in the life of Jesus. His actions proved his love. It demonstrated, his actions demonstrated the gospel. You know what? Jesus could preach the gospel through his words, but he could also preach the gospel through his deeds. And I love that about the Lord. It's, it, wasn't, it wasn't just words that Jesus would speak. It was his life that proved and verified the message of the gospel. You know what? Our words to people can be plentiful. We can say a lot of words, but how much gospel can be found in our actions and in our deeds? 
And that's the thought for today. Our text doesn't say that Jesus was moved with compassion on this man, but you know that he was. Because the Word of God tells us in many other places that he was moved with compassion towards the people and he healed their sick. And I want to look at this miracle that Jesus performs in the deaf and the dumb man that is healed and how the people were moved beyond measure. They were astonished, the Bible says, that he did all things well and he makes the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. And I want to make some applications for us in our life, in our commission by Christ and what our purpose is in this world, okay? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, would you help today, this afternoon, in this short time, and as we walk through this passage, would you, Lord, help us to apply truth to our own life, and Lord, that we would be like Jesus Christ, be moved with compassion towards people, and may it cause us to act and to speak and to share Christ with others. In Jesus' name, amen. First thing I want you to look at is in verse 32. We, first of all, we find a sorrowing subject. Verse 32 tells us, They bring unto him one that was deaf and had an impediment in his speech, and they beseech him to put his hand upon him. Here we find that this man was a deaf man. The most joyful of tidings that you could ever hear in this world would have always been met with no response by him. He would have never heard any I love yous from people who loved him dearly. He would have never heard those words. He would have never been able to go out into creation and hear the sounds of creation. There's something that's, that's, that, is, that is soothing to the soul. There's something that is comforting to be out in the wilderness in Alaska and to be alone at times and just to listen. Listen to the, to the creek that's running and listen to the birds uh, in the air and listen to the, to the wind or the breeze move through and just to be alone in silence and listen to all the life that is happening around you. There's something calming and soothing about that. He never understood that. He never had moments like that. He wouldn't be able to hear wonderful music that were filled with messages of praise unto the Lord. Imagine your own life lived like that. We're all in this room blessed with the ability to hear and to communicate and to have connections with people on that level. And, and we just live every day with that blessing and often take it for granted. Imagine what this man's life would have been like. Imagine if you never heard the words, I love you, from someone who you love the most. The most joyful message of all, though, would be the gospel message. That also would have been met with no response from his soul. The Bible says faith comes by hearing, hearing by the word of God. That avenue was closed to him. And although he could not hear words of love, he certainly could see love in action. And I want to... Look at this for an example, or in a second here, but make an application first before we move on. The truth of the matter is there are a lot of people who are deaf to the preached Word of God. They don't hear it. They have ears, but they cannot hear. Their ears are not open to the preached Word. But so often people are not blind to the acted Word. 
And I'm thinking in, in my mind, I'm thinking of like, you know, people who, uh, like in Noah, where Noah serves and labors in Lebanon. And, and oftentimes Noah will do something like, a, like an eye clinic. And why does he, or he'll do food portions at various times because there are people like the Syrian people who have no money, who have no jobs, they have no food, they're starving. And he'll often do something like offer food portions and preach to them the gospel. He'll do things like an eye clinic to, <coughs> to provide something for people that they really need in an effort to open up their mind to hearing the gospel. And I think about it in those terms because, because listen, many times the words, I care for your soul, don't mean very much to people unless there's something that goes along with it and proves it. In a church setting, it's the same thing. We can talk about how much we love the brethren. We can talk about how much we're concerned and caring for the brethren. But what else is there besides our words that verifies and demonstrates and proves that I actually care for you and your soul and your well-being? Serving, serving other people giving of our time, giving of ourselves to be a blessing or to, to serve others is a way that verifies and causes people to see and understand that there's more than just words here. You actually do care and love for me, have love for me. Does that make sense? I think that's something that we need more of. But what would cause us to do that? Well, compassion for people is what moved Jesus to action to meet a need that somebody had. And that might be the very thing that the Lord would use in someone else's life to get their ears to be opened up to truth. And you know what? If we are too busy and we are too selfish with our own life that we fail to see people's needs and we don't have compassion for their soul, we don't show Jesus Christ, some will never hear. This man was deaf. This man had a problem. And this man, according to our text, needed to be brought to Jesus. Verse 32 says, They bring unto him one that was deaf. What caused these others? Who is they? The Bible doesn't say who they are. It just says that there were some other people who brought this deaf man to Jesus to be healed. And may I say to you this afternoon that pleading for one's soul, having compassion for one's soul, is going to cause us to be moved to the point of we want to bring them to the Lord too. How do we bring people to the Lord? Well, it could be our testimony. It could be our actions. We ought to be like Jesus Christ, amen, in our life that we live. Christ had compassion. Christ was consistent. We ought to do the same thing. Our testimony ought to be consistent. Our actions should verify that we're followers of Christ, but we can also bring people to the Lord in prayer. And the question would be, are you moved to tears 
even, in bringing a lost one before the Lord in prayer for their soul? What would cause somebody to to be on their knees? What would cause somebody to even be in tears over this particular person's name as we pray and bring it before the Lord? What would cause that? Compassion. Compassion for their soul. Are you moved with compassion for people's lost soul that it causes you to bring them before the Lord? Pleading for one's soul is a direct reflection of concern and love for that soul. But you know what? The opposite is also true. Never pleading for one's soul, never bringing them before the Lord is also a reflection that there's not a heart of compassion or concern or love for the soul. So here we first see this sorrowing subject. He was deaf. He needed to be brought to the Lord. But secondly, we see the Savior's cure. Look at verse 33. The Bible says, And he took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears, and he spit and touched his tongue, and looking up to heaven, he sighed and saith unto him, Ephatha, that is, be opened. So here we find that the Bible tells us that Jesus took him aside from the multitude. We could make light of that. We could skip over those words. But I think it does tell us something. It tells us that Jesus Christ intends a personal interaction with this man. There were multitudes of people around. And you want to thank God for the personal nature of Jesus Christ. Amen? In your own life. People are not just numbers with the Lord. Each person is unique. Each one is special. Each one is made for a particular purpose just the way they are. Sometimes people feel, what's wrong with me? I'm not the same as other people. I'm not normal. But you know what? You're unique. You're just like God needs you to be and wants you to be. And thank the Lord for the personal nature of Jesus Christ. You know what? There are differences in people. There's differences in classes, sadly, in this world. We might have a different skin color. We might have a different way of thinking. We might have different personalities. But you know what? It, you know what is the same? The way that we come to know Jesus Christ. The gospel is the same. The blood of Jesus Christ is the same. And even though the Lord might use different methods to get us to open our eyes and ears to hear the gospel, The way of salvation is always the same. And I love that about the Lord. You can't put God in a box. He can deal with you in a particular way. He can deal with somebody else in another way. But to bring them to the point of hearing the gospel of Jesus Christ, that's up to the Lord. And in saying that, let me say this. In all of those differences, there's one constant in all of that. And the constant is this that Jesus cares for you individually. On your level, where you are and who you are, He cares for you individually. All the hairs of your head are numbered according to the Word of God. He knows everything about you. And I love the fact that the Bible tells us that Jesus took this particular man and He pulled him away from the multitude, away from the crowd, because He wanted to deal with him on an individual level. And I'm glad the Lord deals with me that way too. Then the Bible tells us that he touched him in verse 33. 
He took him aside from the multitude and put his fingers in his ears and spit and touched his tongue. Now, we're not going to take the time to find the significance in all that Jesus did here with his fingers in his ears and the spitting and the touching of his tongue. But I, I do want to point this out, that many times Jesus healed people with simply a touch. Sometimes it was just a word. But Jesus healed people with a touch. He would touch the sick ones. He would touch the leprous ones. He would even touch the dead ones. And the point that I'm making here is that Jesus wasn't afraid to touch those that others thought were defiled. The low life. Jesus ate with those. He wasn't afraid of being defiled himself. All sickness, all disease, all death had to yield to the holiness of Jesus Christ and His power. And the Bible says He came to seek and to save that which was lost, meaning those who were sick, He came to seek and save those. And there's an application here because, you know what? Many times we are just the opposite of Jesus Christ. We'll view people and we'll look people up and down and we'll make our assessments of people and it's like, whoa. And I don't want to do anything or have anything to do with them. But you know what? The truth of the matter is, we need to see ourselves as defiled. No one is good or worthy to come to the Lord on our own. And we need to see and embrace that. We were not something special when God saved our soul. We were lowly and defiled too. We're not good and decent people in ourselves. We only deserve judgment. And so many are blind and deaf to that truth. We couldn't come to the Lord. He had to come where we were and praise the Lord for that. Amen? Amen. But we also need to understand that if we are going to reach the lost, then we've got to go where they are. We need to be willing to touch their lives. We can't isolate from this sinful world in the sense that we make our own commune and we're Christians and it's us four and no more. That's not how the Lord wants us to live. We certainly aren't better than other people. The disciples initially thought that they were better than other people and Jesus quickly showed them they weren't. Prejudice is wrong all the time, no matter how, where it comes from. But I think sometimes we can be that way when it comes to people out in the world. And we'll make our assessments and we'll look them up and down and we'll judge them and we'll decide whether or not they want to hear the gospel or whether they're worthy of my time. Shame on us if we come to that point. The Bible tells us that Jesus, after He touched him, looked up to heaven and sighed, and saith to him, Be opened. The Bible says that Jesus looked toward heaven after touching him. And I love this because that act served two purposes. First of all, it told the deaf man where his healing was coming from. That this is of God. This is a miracle. 
Jesus was looking to his father and he was showing this man that his healing was coming from above. But the act of looking toward heaven also demonstrated Jesus' dependence on his father. He did the same thing when he healed Lazarus, Lazarus and he raised him from the dead in, in John chapter 11. Jesus looked toward heaven toward dependence on his Father. And that was the life that Jesus lived. And it shows us the communion that Jesus had with his Father. And the application is very simple for you and me. If we're going to be servants of the Lord, and if we're going to be used of God and be effective in our own life, listen, we've got to have close communion with the Lord too. Dependence on the Lord too. Our outreach, our ministries in this church, your own personal life, your own personal testimony, it'll be a lot more effective if you're walking close to the Lord. We say we want to be used of God as Christian people. If I asked you today and went from seat to seat, do you want to be used of the Lord? I think if you're a conscientious Christian anyway, you'd say, of course, yes, I want to be used of God. The key to it is to stay close to Him. The key to it is to spend time with Him because He's going to bless and use those who make Him a priority. We don't have any strength of our own to do any right things for God. Jesus demonstrated dependence on His Father. Now look at verse 35. And straightway His ears were opened... And the string of his tongue was loosed, and he spake plain. And he charged them that they should tell no man, but the more he charged them, so much the more a great deal they published it. Here we find the sudden change in this man's life. And then verse 37 tells us that beyond measure these people were astonished, saying, He hath done all things well. He maketh both the deaf to hear and the dumb to speak. Jesus spoke to him, and he said, Be open. And immediately, this man's ears were opened, and his tongue was loosed. And the Bible says that he spake plain. The Word of God is intended to, and always does, and always will, have an immediate effect in the life of people. Now, Does that mean that somebody is just automatically going to be saved because the Word of God is given to them? No, it doesn't mean that. But the Word of God is not going to return void. God sends it forth with a purpose. That purpose might be to break up fallow ground. That purpose might be to confront them. And people have a choice to make at that point. Either they're going to submit and yield to the will of God and the Word of God, or it's going to drive them away. Either way, the Word of God is accomplished its purpose. What was the change that took place in this man's life? Well, first of all, his handicap was removed. Jesus touched him. Jesus healed him. And his life was forever changed. The touch of the Lord always produces real change in a life. When Jesus Christ came into your life, He touched your life. Your handicap of sin was removed by the power of salvation. Amen? The Bible also says that he spake plainly. 
He spake plainly. What did he say? Well, I don't know exactly what he said in that moment, but we do know that the Bible says Jesus charged them not to tell anybody, but the more he charged them, the more they made a big deal out of it. So I know one thing that he was saying. He was telling other people what Jesus had done in his life. He published abroad what Jesus had done. They couldn't keep it quiet. But you know what? That is a reflection of somebody who is thankful to the Lord for what He has done in their life. And the same is true in genuine salvation. When we have a heart to tell people about what God has done, it is a reflection of the fact that I am thankful to the Lord for what He's done in my life. To tell of His great deeds, His amazing life-changing power, what an amazing, life-changing Savior He is. Is that your heart? To truly be a witness for Christ? To tell others about the Lord? Do you have compassion on people's soul? Or is your life mainly driven by just what pleases you? What you're trying to put together in this temporal life and what you can gain for yourself and how much you can save up for your retirement and so on. What is it that is really driving your life? The Bible says that Jesus looked to heaven and He sighed. Did you notice that? He sighed. That sigh of compassion <clears throat> caused Him to look to His Father and I think the application that we could make from that is <clears throat> we, saw, we talked about the communion Jesus had with His Father. The application that we can make with that is the closer that we are to the Lord, the more of the sinful human condition we can actually see clearly. And it causes us to, to I don't know, to be moved, to, to, to be grieved in our soul over the lostness and the, the corruption and the and the darkness of this world. People who are lost in depression, suicidal thoughts, or people who have addictions that just control their lives. And they're just... Think about a, a, our native ministry and a lot of the way that some people live in their, those cultures, just oppressed and held down because of addictions and other things in their life. And, and listen, we can just go on and live our day and we can make our money and never, ever, ever think about the tormented soul that somebody might be. And there's no hope for them. They feel hopeless and lost. And what I'm saying is, the more that we spend time with the Lord, the closer we are to the Lord, maybe the more clearly we'll see the human condition and even cause us to sigh, if you will. Lord, you need to do something in these people's lives. The closer we live to the heart of God, the more we can feel the heartache of our fellow men. I think the secret of compassion is a life that has lived close to the Lord because His heart becomes our heart. Does that make sense? And I think the the message is short and it's simple, and here's the conclusion of it. We need to pray and ask the Lord to help us develop a heart of compassion 
that desires to see and meet and alleviate the needs, the spiritual needs that people have, and it moves us to action. We can say a lot of words. Oh, I'm concerned for souls. But it's the actions of our life that are going to prove what's really there. Jesus was moved with compassion. It caused him to act. The same is true for us. We're going to speak up boldly for Christ when there's a real heart of compassion for lost souls. Amen? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, help us with these thoughts. And the message is simple this afternoon. And the thought is simple, but one that we need to be reminded of. Our purpose, our mission, is not to lay up for ourselves treasures on earth where moth and rust doth corrupt. But our purpose and our mission is to serve Christ, and in serving Christ and being a witness for Christ, we also lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. They're eternal. And Lord, I pray that you'd help us to be balanced in life, to understand that this life is temporal. We do need to be good stewards. We need to be wise. <clears throat> we do need to function in a way that's pleasing to the Lord. But many times the most important things, the spiritual things, are, are lost or secondary to all the things that are temporal. And we go about life, living it for self, laying up treasure on earth, and people pass us every day, bound for eternity, souls of men. And we don't have any compassion. We don't see them, the heartache of our fellow man, or see them in their lost condition. They're just other people who are doing the same thing. And Lord, I pray that you'd break us of that. Lord, that you'd cause us to see the reality of eternity and the very temporal nature of this life. Lord, I believe that if we are walking close to the Lord, and the closer we get to the Lord, the more your heart becomes our heart. And the more that you, the way that you see things, you cause us to see the same things. And Lord, may we be like Christ, moved with compassion on the multitudes. And may we tell of the wonderful works of our amazing Savior. Lord, use the message and the Word of God as you see fit. In Jesus' name, amen.